I cannot stab the straw through the Capri Sun <laughs> So how am I going to stab a fresh zombie in the head? Welcome to Fun Sexy Bible Time. Thank you for being with us today. We got a good one. We have, this is probably the most important podcast that has ever been recorded. And I can say that because my guest today is one of the two most important bloggers on the entire interweb, Jen from Sweet Team X3. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm excellent. How crazy is it that the two most important bloggers both live in the same backwoods Alabama town? It's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know why there's not more of a draw here for tourists just because of the two of us. It's insane. How is the squirrel situation at your house right now? Um, I saw one this morning along with a chipmunk. Are yeah. you being overrun? Yeah, we, we have we have quite a few. The uh, the woods behind our house is not not really big enough to support any predators. So the uh, <laughs> the chipmunks and squirrels just sort of go crazy. Okay. Well, as long as they don't carry off your children... You're good. No, they carry off like all of all the berries that we plant. Mm. We have it's a running battle of protecting the berries. Could you put out some corn or something for them to make them <laughs> maybe go for that instead of your precious berries? I, I actually put out some chick tracks <laughs> for them, but uh, I, I just saw them kind of snickering at the chick tracks. Just I don't snickering. Know if, yeah. I don't know if it actually worked. We need a new one. A squirrel-specific chick track. Chick tracks. In their language. I mean, they're already in, like, what, 100 languages? So why not squirrel? Okay, so tell me about chick tracks. Because as as a Baptist, I assume this is one of your areas of, of, of specialty. <laughs> it is. Um, independent Baptists, anyway, are kind of brought up on chick tracks from childhood. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how many varieties there are now. Hundreds. There were dozens when I was a kid. And they're little comic tracks that are a little pricier than your average track. Um, but if you care about souls, you'll make the investment because chick tracks get red. Um, you gotta be probably... careful where you leave them too, because they are well, a little more expensive. So you they can't are, just, can't just but, scatter them like a, like a single, single sheet track. But, but they do. Um, you know, as long as you don't put your church information on the back, you can break the rules and leave them in places you're not supposed to. Mm. You can litter with them. I think the most creative place I saw a chick track was in a shoebox at... Uh, Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> uh, hey, <laughs> like no, you're trying on shoes and there's a chick track. Hey, no joke. Two things. First of all, we had a guy at our church, uh, not necessarily with chick tracks, but he would put them, he would like open the flap of vending machines and drop them in there. Like, so if you went in to grab like a, a Coke or like a bag of chips from a vending machine, you would grab the chick track too. That's pretty creative. That's a new one. And I actually, I, I almost took a picture of it and sent it to you uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I was in, uh, I was in Lowe's, uh, the one here in town actually, and somebody had put a chick track in the uh, the seed display, like with oh, all wow. the like the with all the seeds in it. So it was like a perfect little, perfect little spot for a chick track. Kind of a play on words. I mean, they were planting seeds. With Look the at seeds. you go! Hey, listen, yeah. I appreciate if you leave the jokes to me. Okay, I'll go right on that. <laughs> So do you have like a go-to chick track? Well, my favorite as a kid um, was the sissy. And it was about truckers. And you had this one trucker who was like stereotypical kind of grungy trucker with tattoos 
wearing a wife beater, this giant beer gut, really hairy, mm-hmm. who thought Jesus was a sissy. Mm-hmm. And then you had this really built, muscular, hot trucker who informed him that no, Jesus was not a sissy, and here's why. Didn't he like um, take him into the bar and like set him down and have like a like a long? He had him over for dinner. Like oh, we're not okay. going to go into the bar to evangelize. That's okay. not okay, ever. Um, but he did bring him over for dinner. Um, and converted him and his friend. So that was a favorite, probably because it's one of the few that does not involve contracting AIDS or human sacrifice. Or Satan. Um, or Satan. Or well, Catholics. no, 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 I think Satan was in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I think the name of Satan is mentioned more than the name of Jesus um, you, you really, across Czech publications. You really cannot overstate how how muscular the Christian trucker was. No, you can't. You can't comprehend it unless you've seen it. Could we compare um, him to Gaston from Beauty and the Beast? I was thinking more like Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> and not the one from the 70s, like Edward Norton, uh, CGI Hulk. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to go with that. How about you? Well, I, you know, obviously I can't. Uh, number one has got to be Angels. And I, I think it's stylized with like a question mark at the end of it. And, like, the whole thing, like, the whole track is, like, this cheesy story about a Christian rock band that, like, Satan is able to infiltrate and destroy. Because, as we know, as the scripture tells us, uh, rock music (laughs) is of the devil. Yes. And uh, there's just, like, some, there's really just some incredible lines in, in, in Angels. Because I think, like, Satan is posing as the band's manager, like, through the whole thing. And, uh, and this is a Christian rock band, not a secular one. <laughs> yes. It's based on audio adrenaline. <laughs> and, uh, like, by the end of it, Satan has corrupted them to the point where, like, two of the guys decide to get married. And Satan... Well, that escalated. <laughs> it, esca- it escalates quickly. And Satan decides to bless their marriage with AIDS. And so one of the guys we didn't dies. go with HIV, just no. just full blown AIDS. AIDS. No, we go no straight segue. to AIDS. Okay. And uh, I think like one of the guys ODs and dies on stage, and another one, the other one dies of AIDS, and then at the end, like one other one is into vampirism, which wow. I, I don't know, like I don't know where they got vampirism from. Like it seems like that guy kind of got off easy. Yeah. Um, this was before vampirism became so mainstream, too. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like he started sparkling and attracting women. Yeah, this is not like the Twilight yeah, vampire. the bad kind. Yeah. But then, like, I, I guess, like, the last guy, somebody, it's, it's very meta, because then the last guy, somebody puts an actual chick track in his coat pocket, and then he reads it and becomes a Christian, and <gasps> then the final scene is he's lecturing to this huge church about... The evils of Christian music. So Chick Track within a Chick Track. That's hey, pretty epic. It's it's like the Matrix. Yeah. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. I, I just, I really, I really love like that, that line of thinking in Christianity that like any musical style that comes after what I like is sinful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I even had a preacher, and I won't say who it was. Um, I think someone got up and sang. It's maybe a Fernando Ortega song, you know, written in the <laughs> in the '90s or something. It was really good. And he got up there, and he's like, "Amen." They just don't write them like that anymore. 
And I remember thinking, 1991? Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, like, people were never like that in the past either. I'm sure that wouldn't have gotten confusing if, you know, people in the 1800s would have looked down on any hymn that came after, you know, 1790. I wonder if they did, because everything is new at some point. Mm-hmm. But the only thing we can know for sure is that drums are sinful. True. There's got to be a chapter and verse for that. They just haven't found it yet. Yeah. It's uh, Well, it's, it, yeah. I agree. All right. So let's uh, connect this for the people. Um, you actually helped me with a couple blog posts that got pretty popular. Um, well, so that's which ones were those? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's my claim to fame here? Uh, we are talking, of course, of the theological milestone that is but sin. Yes. Um, Granted, I did not coin that. You did. I just provided the culotte. You did. You culotte sightings. You, you, you're my uh, my window into the uh, the female fashion world. Oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> So that's that's sort of how that's like that's where we connect. Like that's where that's the intersection of, of our two audiences, okay. I guess. And here we are. So, what is there anything new that, that we need to, to know about in, in the world of butt sin? From well, your perspective, I, I had a new culotte sighting this morning. Okay. Of all places, it was on Curious George. It's <laughs> watching with my son, and Betsy wears culottes. I always thought they were kind of. I guess I just wasn't thinking. And that's how subtle these things are. are um, they, you don't see culottes out and about very much. Are they there's Peggy, Betsy. Peggy Hill from King of the Hill culottes? Yes. Yeah, they, another great reference. Okay. See? I think what's going on, I think it's a conspiracy. They're trying to normalize culottes in the culture. Yes. That's you know? how it starts. You know what the next step is? What's that? AIDS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Satan. We go straight to AIDS from culottes. Straight to AIDS from culottes. Yeah, so, you know, obviously we, we joke about butts in, but, I mean, I know that's something that you probably um, experienced in probably like a like a tangible way coming up in a you know, sort of fundamentalist environment like I did. It was the whole purity culture, and we're just going to make lots and lots of rules um, yes. about it. Was that, is that something that, you know, you, you feel like you've sort of come through? I mean, are there parts of that that you still hang on to? I try not to. Um, just over the past few years, I've done a lot of healing and a lot of uh, just relying on God's grace rather than a list of rules, just kind of focusing on him and letting him direct what I wear rather than a list, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty new for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say I like it, but, you know, rules have their place because just the other day I was down at the strawberry farm that is on the side of the highway Picking strawberries been over in yoga pants, so that is where grace will get you. This Public yoga pants. Is over. <laughs> I did not realize the, the kind of, of sinfulness I'd be dealing with. It's how far I've fallen. <laughs> this is what happens when you leave the the rules and the regulations. No, like sometimes, like uh, people will. Yeah, you're gonna find this hard to believe, but when you write about butt sin, sometimes people get upset. Um, Sometimes people will sort of engage me on that of, you know, like, well, why, you know, why do you hate Christianity or, or all this stuff? <laughs> like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
I don't know. Like sometimes it's hard to. A lot of times I just don't even engage back because it's it's sometimes it's not worth it. But um, I don't know. Like sometimes it's hard to explain to people that like I'm actually pro modesty. Like I have daughters. Like I'm not against modesty. Mm-hmm. I just think like sometimes like with the purity culture, the ironic thing is it makes it worse. It does. It's it's like ironic process theory. It's don't think about pink elephants. Your deliberate attempt to uh-huh. suppress these thoughts is making them surface, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband, I think, experienced that more than me, just because he kind of went from more mainstream Christianity into fundamentalism, maybe halfway through his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can remember just not thinking much about it, and then all of a sudden there's so much emphasis on it and so many rules that everywhere you look, there it is. Yeah. So he's yeah. a good testament to that. But correct me if I'm wrong. Butson, you coined that term during the time um, a couple of blog posts came out that went viral about yoga pants. And (laughs) so maybe those who are being critical of Butson don't get the reference that, hey, this was extremely relevant at the time it was written. Not that it isn't anymore, but it was it was viral relevant when you wrote that. Yeah, it's just it's, it's sometimes it's just hard to explain, explain when you're working with sarcasm, because it's like I, I don't really care if people decide that they don't want to wear yoga pants or that, you know, they don't want to wear bikinis at the beach or whatnot. I I don't care. Like it just, it bugs me sometimes when people put the rules out like that, like all of a sudden this is the new rule of Christianity when like, you know, it should be a matter of conscience. Well, legalism sneaks in. Um, I don't know. I was thinking the other day, it's like we're free from, or me personally, I'm free from a lot of those things. But then I, my legalism spidey senses are kind of honed and sharpened now. So I see it other places in different ways. Like I came from, you know, good Christians always wear something down to their knees and don't listen to this kind of music. But then I spot it in other places like good Christians um, adopt from Africa or, <laughs> you know, bring uh-huh. water to impoverished villages and don't live in a house that's over X amount square feet because that money could be given to the poor. It's just more of the same in a different package. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's one good thing about being brought up that way. And then coming out of it a little bit is my spidey senses, so to speak, are, are honed for legalism and where it lurks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's something that I've really had to confront too, of just having daughters, which I mean, what, what guys is, is actually prepared to have daughters and think about these, like, you don't think about these things until you have girls of your own. But, um, I was just thinking about like the things that they're going to encounter, like as, yes. as they grow older. And that's, that's just something I want to sort of make clear to them that, you know, your conscience is, is your compass. You know, I mean, of course, you know, you have to reserve the dad veto for certain things, like <laughs> while they're young, but like your conscience is the one that you have to listen to. Like, it's not, you don't have to rely on, you know, these subjective dress codes and ideas of what other people, other people's ideas of what sin is. Um, right. Well, I think as long as you're raising the two, uh, let the Holy Spirit guide them rather than, you know, a list then you're on the right track. Of course, they are in the backyard right now playing with my son, so <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, some of that training might have gone out the window. There's there's three of them together, so technically that's a group situation. True. And he's only three and a half. I'm not sure exactly how much he could corrupt them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing I, I, I remember from my Josh Harris training uh, of I Kissed Dating Goodbye yes. is that 
two people together is sinful, but if you introduce a third, it is then a group situation and the sexual tension is alleviated. <laughs> of course. Especially when you're talking about teenagers, because if there's sexual tension with two teenagers, if it's 10 of them, there must be less, mm -hmm. you know, because there's less hormones going on the more you add. Well, it's the same thing with dress codes. You know, you, you can, it's pretty cool how you can stop teenagers from thinking about sex by simply introducing an odd number of them. <laughs> well, there you go. Now you know what to do in 10 years. Mm -hmm. I do. All right. We had a request. You're not going to believe this, but when you have a podcast called Fun Sexy Bible Time, you do get some odd requests. Fancy that. So we had a request, uh, an email request from Bob Cam. How you doing, Cammy? Wanted us to talk Christian romance novels. Bob? Okay. <laughs> I like it. All right. How many have you read? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that would, uh, that would cut into my chick track studying time, <laughs> so I have to be careful about that. Well, depending on which chick track you read, you don't need a romance novel. So I thought it would be fun if we pitched ideas for Christian romance novels to each okay. other. Well, I actually brought some friends in on this one because oh. it's been so long since I've read a Christian romance novel. I don't think I've read one since I was a teenager. Um, and that was in the Jeanette Oak, Lori Wick um, <laughs> days. Set in the West, it, it really followed a specific pattern. Um, so I'm talking to my friends about this. We're talking about what bugs us about Christian romance novels or just waxing nostalgic about it. And my one friend said, Jeanette Oak sat in the West and every single one of her characters lost a limb. Like you could not get through a book without somebody having an amputation. What was that symbolic of? I don't know. Uh, maybe unconditional love. Like I love you even though you don't have your <clears throat> left arm. I, I don't understand. Or maybe just to ramp up the angst, you know, because... I'm going to predict that she loved somebody younger when she was earlier in life. She loved somebody, but he went another way. So she always felt like she left a piece of herself with that guy. Wow. So I think that's projected and characters always losing a limb. That was insightful. Maybe you should do like offer dream analysis on your blog. Like I dreamed my... My teeth were falling out. What does that mean, Matthew? It means sex. That's what it means. <laughs> of course it does. So, getting back to Christian romance novels. Okay. Speaking of sex. Um, yeah, with all the loss of limbs, I thought, what if we had a Christian romance steampunk genre? Because I don't think that's been done yet. Um, it's severely lacking. I'm listening. Okay. So, I would like to see the main character fall in love with, like, a guy who's half man, half machine, uh, but she can't act on her feelings because machine love is forbidden. So she's in love with a Calvinist? <laughs> Basically. Well, okay. Our favorite Calvinist is going to make an appearance, so <laughs> wait for it. Wait for okay. it. She can't act on these feelings because, you know, machine love is forbidden, but then she goes to revival and she hears, this is set, you know, mid 1800s, of course. Okay. So she goes to revival and she hears Spurgeon preach from his airship <laughs> yeah and she sees that he has a mechanical jaw from the mouth cancer from all that cigar smoking uh-huh so you know if spurgeon is half machine then it must be okay for her to be with this man that she's in love with wow what do you think i'm blown away i'm gonna need two things from you i'm gonna need for you to describe what the cover of this book looks like <laughs> 
Okay, well, there's definitely going to be a corset and, like, this Victorian dress with probably the corset on the outside, Spurgeon's airship in the background. And I think the whole lower half of his face should be mechanical, so it's really obvious, not just his jaw. Like, it took his whole mouth, those cigars. What's the, and what's the title going to be? Oh, I hadn't got that far yet. Mm. Pitch me. Um, I don't have to think about it. Maybe okay. by the end of maybe by the end of the podcast. So he's half machine, and she's she's falling in love with him based on seeing Spurgeon at a revival. Well, she's already in love with him, but you know, angst and tension because she can't love him because she's half machine. Because if this were a steampunk world you can guarantee the fundamentalists would forbid <laughs> forbid mm-hmm. something in this world and that's probably what it would be would be machine love so it's not until she sees Spurgeon on his airship with half his face gone that she realizes it's going to be okay and could to pursue we, this could we work in the uh the fundamentalist concept of, oh not fun the biblical concept of unequally yoked somehow yes exactly she's worried that she's going to be unequally yoked she's going to be unequally yoked with this half machine Oh, okay. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I can top that. I'm going to try, but I don't okay. know if I can top that. Let's hear it. All right. I'm just going to describe the um, the cover of, of my Christian romance novel to you, okay? Okay. The, t- <laughs> the title... <laughs> the title... Stop laughing. <laughs> the title is called Necessary Indiscretions. Necessary indiscretions. Okay. <laughs> it's set in it's set present day, but it's an Amish romance novel. So okay. in the foreground you have like the Amish lady with like the bonnet on and she's clutching a Bible like over her lady blessings <laughs> and just looking wistfully into the distance at something. Isn't that every Amish romance novel no, ever? Well yeah, but and and you can tell like by her face that she's super conflicted. Okay. And like she's totally she's like safe hot, but she can't be like glamorous <laughs> hot because then she'll alienate a lot of the readers. Yes. She's gotta be like the you know what I mean, like safe hot like Yeah, she's gotta be like a six, not a ten. A six. <laughs> yes. And the guy is a ten, of course. Of the course. guy can be a ten. Yes. In the background you see him. He's on a on a farm, like in the pasture, and he's chopping wood. And he's got like he's got like the, the the long dress pants on, and like a tight T-shirt. And then he's he does the thing like where like they take their overalls and like unhook them so the overalls or not the the uh, suspenders so the suspenders are just kind of dangling at his waist. Nice. And he's chopping <laughs> wood, and he's he's built like the like the uh, like the trucker from the yes, Jack. That was going to be my suggestion if you didn't bring it up that he be built like the trucker because he... you're going to sell. It's going to go well. Whatever the Christian version of New York Times bestseller, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> he'll be on the uh, he'll be on the uh, the Lifeway flyer that they there send out with all the the books on it. So anyway, um, this is set in the present. It's set in an Amish community, and the and the lady's name is Charity Hartstrong. <laughs> okay, and she is a slightly rebellious but also really devout daughter of like the head Amish guy like the leader of the Amish community mm-hmm. 
And she is betrothed to a sneering, know-it-all, goody-two-shoes Amish man called Dirk Goodlaw. <laughs> and we don't know it at the time, but Dirk, she's betrothed to Dirk Goodlaw. But he is actually plotting to take over the Amish community. And he thinks if he marries the daughter of the leader, he'll be next in line. And he's actually made a deal with the local municipality to sell all of the Amish property so that the city can turn it into a Hooters. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so far we have an evil plot. We have angst and we have a Hooters. So I'm going down the list here and checking all the boxes. It gets better or worse, depending on how you look at it. So Charity Heartstrong is, is, is getting ready like to get, you know, she's in the courting process with Dirk Goodlaw and she suspects that he might not be all he's cracked up to be, but she also feels trapped and constrained by the Amish lifestyle. A little bit of Belle from Beauty and the Beast going on here. Okay. So she's loyal to her father and she thinks this will be the best thing for the community if she just marries Dirk Goodlaw. And then shattering all her preconceived notions of happiness and love, a stranger enters the Amish community. And his name is Channing Wilberforce. <laughs> and he is a he is a pastor who is on the run. He has been stashed in the Amish, Amish community because he uncovered child abuse in his church and he killed another pastor with his bare hands. Wow. To stop the child abuse. Which is the only case in which it's okay to use deadly force. And he in totally a, in a novel. And he totally did it because he's super ripped. Because he's ripped. Now is he a Mennonite? Because that's like the transition that the Amish go to. They they come out and they go straight to Mennonite instead of I think mainstream we'll just Christianity. Leave it undefined who like he's somewhat mysterious. Like okay. we don't actually know all the details. We just know that there was child abuse and he killed another pastor with his bare hands. Okay. So we have our mysterious hero. He's a he's Tech. a he he loves children and he's ripped. But also, he might be a little violent, so there's some there's some mystique about him. Okay. So he's he's they they where he came from, they put him in the Amish settlement to just kind of stash him for a while while things cool down. And then Charity Hartstrong sees him chopping wood in the pasture one day, and this awakens feelings in her that she didn't know she had. So now you have this this love triangle, and 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 what what will she do? What will she do, Jen? Love triangle. Wow. What will she do? My money is going to be on Channing. <laughs> Channing the, I know y'all didn't see that coming, but I think she's going to run away with Channing. But they're going to be Mennonites because that's not too far of a stretch. And then I think there's, be believable. there's definitely a scene where Dirk Goodlaw rallies up all the Amish goons and like confronts Channing Wilberforce. And there's that scene where it's like, you're not one of us. You think you can just <laughs> march in here and woo our women you'll never be one of us not one of us more importantly does the hooters happen (laughs) they could okay channing and charity um good job with the names there by the way the cute couple names what's their celebrity couple name chad Chad, i can't do it okay they could go evangelize the hooters waitresses that could be like in book two See, I don't. Should there be, should there be a book two, or 
Should it be like a 1990s choose your own adventure style? <laughs> that I would read. Whereas, say, if you want Channing Wilberforce to fight back against Dirk and his goons, turn to page 52. If you want him to turn the other cheek, turn to page 104. Nice. Well, you know, Christian romance novels are pretty predictable. Um, so I think that would keep things fresh to make it a choose your own adventure. Hmm. I don't know. We'll have to open this up to the uh, Fun Sexy Bible Time Twitter and, and see what they think would happen. Okay. If you uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, the Twitter handle is at FS Bible Time. And that leads us into, speaking of our Twitter, we need to talk about our contest for the week, our giveaway. Yes, we do. Jen, you actually have one of these with you right now, and I have one of them too. I do. I'm opening the wrap on it right now so that I can doodle in it. Okay. As you know... All serious theological podcasts have to give away serious theological books. And as the greatest Christian podcast that's ever been done, Fun Sexy Bible Time is going to get in on that. So what we have, we tweeted it out uh, yesterday. We have some One Direction notebooks. And we have a few of these. And Jen is going to sign one of them and doodle in one of them. And there's a couple more. I think I'm going to sign one. And maybe I can get Kendra to draw some doodles in a third one. Because she's a contributor to Fun Sexy Bible Time as well. She is. If you would like a chance to win one of these, tweet us. Well, how did you describe it, Jen? How, how about you set this up? What what should the people tweet us? An unsexy selfie. <laughs> so you want to be as serious about this as you would be a sexy selfie. But instead of holding the phone, you know, above you and doing a duck face and maybe applying a good filter. You want to just hold it right down there below your chin and let us see all three of your chins. Um, the most awkward, unsexy selfie that has ever been. That's what you want to tweet. I could not have said that better. Tweet us, or if you don't want people to see it, just DM it to us and then we'll tweet it out because we don't respect your privacy. <laughs> Tweet us an unsexy selfie for a chance to win a One Direction notebook signed by Unsexy Bible Time contributor and Doodle Den with a purple pen. With a pur- what are you What are you doodling in, in in your notebook right now? I'm just literally doodling. It's quite nonsensical. Okay. Um, I'm trying not to think because I might sketch out that trucker from the Tick Track. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that, or maybe they do. Maybe I'll Maybe I'll doodle out the cover of Necessary Indiscretions. That could work. With uh, but uh, you know, I don't want anybody to stumble. So maybe, I, maybe I won't draw the. Maybe I won't draw. Canning will Don't defraud anyone. <laughs> if we if we don't get enough entries, who should we send them to? Like, should I send one to John Piper? <laughs> I was gonna keep it, but you know, I mean, it's a sweet notebook. <laughs> if we don't get enough entries, can I send one to like the Gospel Coalition? Like definitely Russell Moore. Let's see, just... how many of them are there? There's five One Direction members, so pick. Are there five Gospel Coalition members? Yeah, I, I, don't, know. I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have to look it up. I can't remember how many are on the board. It's a bunch of white guys, I can tell you that. Yes. So that works. It's a good fit. That works. All right. Jen from Sweet Team Makes Three. Yes. How many 10-year-olds do you think you could beat up at once? Are these 10-year-olds wearing monogrammed boutique clothing with hair bows? Oh, John. We, we, we will get to your hatred of monograms. Because if they are, I think it would fuel my rage enough that I could take several. 
Okay. Well, let's let's put you in a let's put you in a uh, like an ethical free zone and say that these are ten year old zombies. Okay. Okay. So you How... don't feel bad about beating up ten year olds? Are... How fresh are they? Like, oh, or are they just dead, or good are we question. like two years into the apocalypse? Uh, we'll say they're fresh. We'll say the zombie the zombie plague just hit like an elementary school. Oh, I'm going and down. So now you have like a bunch of 10-year-old zombies rushing at you. How many do you think you could fight off at the same at, at once? I'm going down. Like I cannot stab the straw through the Capri Sun drink. <laughs> so how am I going to stab a fresh zombie in the head? Like it's not going to happen. If they're a couple years old and kind of rotten, you know, you know, I could probably punch my way through that. But fresh ones... I'm just going to lay down and die. Okay, so a 10-year-old's probably going to be about 70 pounds. That's that's what you're dealing with here. Maybe like okay. four feet tall, four and a half feet tall maybe, about 70 pounds. Coming I'd like you. to say two. I'd like to say I could take two of them, but, you know, I'm a faithful watcher of The Walking Dead, and I know my limitations, and those fresh ones are tough. What, what's your uh, – if, if you had your husband with you, if you had – if you had your husband, what could you and Dave do? Would you fight back to back? Um, he would fight and I would cower behind him. Does that okay. work? <laughs> Seriously, I went for a walk on the park the other day with a friend and we're walking and a stray dog comes up and before my brain can even register, oh, it's a dog. I'm like screaming and behind her have thrown her in front of me in the path of the dog and me. <laughs> And then we realized it's just a stray dog, and then I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, oh, wow, I just threw you in front of the threat immediately. That was my fight-or-flight response, was to throw you under the bus, so to speak, which Did you think was, was a little like a... disturbing. Like, what does that say about me as a person? I'm not sure. Do you think it was like a wolf? Was that like your... I didn't think anything. I didn't have time to think. Oh. That was just the immediate reaction, was to throw whoever was with me in front of the threat. Yeah, I... I mean, that could actually work to your advantage, though, in the zombie apocalypse. That's true. I mean, you'd be like the like you'd probably be like the last one standing because you just hid while everybody else fought the zombies. So maybe I could kill one if I could kill one, and then I could just use it to fight off the others. Uh huh. Just be behind it the whole time. That's what I'm gonna go with. Okay. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I feel like I could take on a lot of ten-year-old zombies. Fresh ones. Yeah. What kind of weapon do you have? Well, so they say in the beginning you have no weapon. Like, they can mm. they catch you completely by surprise. Wow. You don't think, like, your like your mother instincts would kick in and, like, you would get, like, that mom strength? No. no? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm, like, logistically, okay, if it happened here in the South and they've got on those ruffled pants, they're, I could probably trip them up pretty easy and take more than I could, say, at a school up north where everybody just wears jeans and a T-shirt like normal people. What what would have to happen for you to get angry enough to fight zombies effectively? Like um, threaten just... my children, threaten my children, and then no. yeah, then the mama bear instinct would kick in. Okay, so if your children were behind you and the zomb- ten- bunch of ten year old zombies were coming, how many ten year old zombies do you think you could fight to protect your children? As many as it took. <laughs> and I'd like to think that I wouldn't throw my children in front <laughs> in front of, to protect myself. I would like to think they would be the two exceptions. But let's not, yeah, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Okay, you, you, you've been very patient. I, I, I know you, you got some things you want to get off your chest. So I'll just, I'll, I'll just hand control of Fun Sexy Bible Time over to you and just let you rant about some things now. 
Thanks. I appreciate a whole 45 minutes to sit here and cuss. <laughs> um, well, I kind of let most of it out with the whole, uh, just a little bit of Southern culture that's kind of kind of getting to me now that my daughter has started kindergarten in a Southern school. Um, and we love our school, by the way. For anyone listening, we love our school. However, <laughs> I was not quite prepared for um, some of the expectations, I guess, just that we go to school literally in boutique clothing. And if you don't know what that is, it's like, um, it's kind of hard to describe. Do your, do your girls wear boutique clothing before I just completely go off the deep end here? No, I, I don't, in fact, hate them. So they, <laughs> okay. They do not. So, yeah, I, I let my five-year-old pick out her own clothes and I think on the first day of kindergarten she wore some jean shorts and a Walmart t-shirt that had a unicorn and some glitter on it and I just brushed her hair and she went to school and saw the other kids in the other pictures with their boutique clothing monogram boutique clothing because that's like a two-for-one there (laughs) when you have boutique clothing with the monogram across the chest with a bow in their hair like as big as their head it was like, wow, I didn't know this was this was the expectation. But so far, I haven't drank the Kool-Aid okay. um, completely. Now, I did get her a T-shirt that has a little monogrammed blonde-headed girl on it in Alabama colors with her name monogrammed on the front for Football Friday. Yeah. Real tight. So that was, I took a little sip of the Kool-Aid at that point, but that's all. And she's about to outgrow that shirt, and we haven't made a future purchase, so... I think I'm okay on that end. Well, here's my question. I know you're from the 90s, like I am. Could you not just get her, like, the Christian novelty T-shirts to wear? Do they still make those? So she can witness to people <laughs> and be fashionable? Where would I find them? Goodwill? Oh, they've got, they've got them at the... I've seen a couple of them at Lifeway. They're not They're not quite as good as the ones from the 90s, like, where you mm-hmm. could get, like, the... Uh, like the orange and yellow one, like with the Reese's logo, and it just says Jesus instead ah, of Reese's. I see. Yeah, it's pretty tar- hard to top the 90s ones. Um, you know, I could just get her the T-shirts. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but that have so much writing on them. I don't know what they say, but it's something about Southern girls love sweet tea and <laughs> blah, blah, mason jars. I don't know. <laughs> but we could make it a, a Christian shirt, and then it could be subtle, like... You know, she's not going to get called out for it in public school, but because it's kind of kind of going with the culture. Can I tell you that my favorite Christian T-shirt from the '90s? I thought I was pretty pretty badass in this. They had those shirts in the in the '90s, like where you know it's like football is life or cheerleading is life. Yes. And I had a shirt (laughs) just like that that had a picture of basketball on it, and it said, "Jesus is life." The rest is just basketball. <laughs> and did you wear it to practice? All the time. And were you cool for that? <clears throat> Listen, when you're as cool as I was back then, <laughs> I mean, you don't even realize how cool you are. Probably. Yeah. All right. Jim from Sweet Tea Makes Three. Can we close out the podcast with some confessions? Well, I kind of confess to that football t-shirt with the monogram on it. So while I'm there, I will confess that I have a giant monogram from Hobby Lobby hanging in my hallway. Mm. It's it's up there. It's sanctified. You know, it was blessed with Chick-fil-A. Nice. I stood there and ate Chick-fil-A with it, you know. So nice. <laughs> I guess that makes me a hypocrite, but what are you going to do? Okay, I've got some random confessions. Uh, last Yesterday, I was watching a basketball game. And the team that I was cheering for 
uh, got cheated out of a call. So I threw some Jolly Ranchers at the wall. Did it help? It did. It made me feel better. They were gummy Jolly Ranchers, and we were oh. we were all eating them. And, like, we had eaten everything but the watermelon. Like, that was the last flavor. So it was just a bunch of chew, like, gummy watermelon Jolly Ranchers. And so I got mad, and I just threw, like, a handful of Jolly Ranchers at the wall. Did you make your kids clean them up? No, this was, this was, this was pretty late. And this was, like, 11 o'clock at night. Okay. No. Then that's not too bad. <laughs> Nothing that can't be forgiven. Now, if you made Kendra clean them up, we'd have worse. Another random confession. I sincerely believe that if Kendra got eaten by a shark, that Katy Perry would want to date me. <laughs> okay, you keep thinking that. Kendra's already told me, though, if she gets eaten by a shark, that I'm not, I'm not allowed to date Katy Perry because she doesn't want Katy Perry to raise our kids. Oh, well, she's a Christian, though. I mean... You know, she, you could do worse. I'm just saying. Yeah, like Taylor Swift, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to assume that they're both going to be competing for my hand in remarriage at that point. But Actually, you probably should go with Taylor Swift because when you inevitably break up, she'll write a song about you. And as long as you don't have a prenup, you mm. can partake in that mm. financially. Final random confession. I sincerely believe that I could defeat every member of the gospel coalition in a fist fight. Okay. Are you going to write a blog post about that? Possibly not all at once, but I feel like any one of them I could probably take. You do a post for each one, like tactically how you're going to approach each one. Uh, That's a great idea. That might be my next blog post. All right. Jen, tell the people where they can find you and where they can find your website, where they can find you on Twitter, all that good stuff. You can find me at SweetTeaMakes3.com, and that's tea the letter, not the beverage. Um, Twitter at SweetTeaMakes3, three the digit, don't spell it out. That's me. Got anything you are uh, working on at the moment that you want to talk about other than your uh, One Direction doodles and uh, <laughs> steampunk Christian romance novels? Not really, Not really at the moment. I'm trying to get um, find time to do more posts that are... Uh, kind of fun and funny and sarcastic regarding motherhood and parenting and life in the South. Um, but I find I don't have the the capability to be that snarky on a daily basis like you do. So in the meantime, recipes, crafts, kids' activities kind of provide the bulk of my material. But I'm working my way in there. Got um, got a fun post about Target and their gender-neutral bedding Um Policy, not policy, but um, when they came out with that, I wrote a post about it. And I wrote one about Valentine boxes that were over the top at our school. So that was kind of fun. I'd like to do more of that in the future. We do have uh, we do have some people, like we do have a little bit of a shared audience. There are some people I know that read my stuff, that read your stuff. And I just feel like those people are probably pretty awesome. Probably. If, if they can... If they're on board with the two greatest bloggers on the internet. Absolutely. We should probably get together with them, but since we're introverts, we'll just settle for Facebook. Yeah. I mean, this is how introverted we are. I could probably take a rock and throw it over the trees and it would land in your yard. (laughs) And yet we're doing this over Skype. We're doing this on Skype. That is ironic. But it makes perfect sense to me. That shows you how introverted I am as well. I couldn't take the risk that you'd wear yoga pants. So that's what it boiled down to. You just wouldn't have been able to focus. I know. All right, Jen, thank you for being with us today. 
thank you. Bye. We go straight to AIDS from Kulats. Straight to AIDS from Kulats. How many 10-year-olds do you think you could beat up at once? Are these 10-year-olds wearing monogrammed boutique clothing with hair bows? 